We'll read again this morning from 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. Read verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. We'll turn to verse 10. We'll read verses 10 through 14. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. There's a lot of lessons we can learn from this account of Naaman. I think one of the very first things we see here is that no one is immune to the trials of life. It doesn't matter what your social standing is or your position in life is. At some point, something's going to come along that is going to cause difficulties. You know, we try so hard. We try to eat right and we try to be healthy and exercise to ward off some kind of diseases. We try to plan for the future and make good investments. Many times people have seen those investments dry up. So at some point, in some time in our life, we're going to be touched with a trial. The Word of God teaches us this, of course. You know, life itself teaches us this lesson. Well, it was no different for this man, Naaman. He had a lot of advantages. He says he was a great man. He was well-respected. He was a man of honor, honorable, a man of valor. Probably had all of the necessities of life, had great wealth and prestige. He was a war hero, a national hero, really, to his people. He had won great victories, even though God had allowed him to win those victories. He was a man in good standing in his country and in his nation. had a lot of things going for him, but he had a big problem. He says he was a leper. You know, leprosy is often compared to sin, for good reason. Leprosy at the time of Naaman was a fatal disease. We also know sin is a fatal disease. It says the wages of sin is death. At the time of the Old Testament here, there was no human cure for leprosy. Well, we know spiritually there is no human cure for sin. 
You know, leprosy separated a man and made him unclean and separated him from his family and friends. We see sin does the same thing today. Sin separates man from those he loves. Sin destroys homes and families, and it can be devastating to not only the individual, but those around. So we can see there's a lot of similarities between leprosy and sin. Leprosy was a disease that started from the inside. And it would work his way out. Oftentimes, in its early stages, it was undetected. But eventually, it would manifest itself by working itself out through the flesh. Well, sin does the same thing. Sin starts from the inside. We can see the Adamic nature begin to show itself very early, even in small children. They're born with this condition, and it doesn't take very long for that condition to work itself out and become a parent, there is a difference. Leprosy was actually a disease, and it was at the time highly contagious. It was something you could actually catch from someone else. We know sin is not a disease that you catch from someone else. Sin is a condition. Unfortunately, it's a condition that we are all born with. We're born with that condition. We don't catch it. We're born with it. Well, it says Naaman was a leper. He had some very difficult things to face. We also see in this account, you know, we don't ever want to minimize the power of a personal testimony. We read verses 2 through 4. It says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. There must have been something about this little maid in her life that was very compelling, very convincing. You know, as I thought of this account, I... That old song, Bright in the Corner, Where You Are, that came to my mind. I thought, well, that's what this little maid was doing for sure. You know, it wasn't just the words she said. I believe it was the way she lived, and she conducted herself in such a way that it would compel a great man like Naaman to be moved to action. You know, you consider her circumstances. She didn't let the difficulties of life Um, hinder her confidence and her faith in God. She was a captive in a strange land, no doubt had maybe even seen her parents killed and taken to a foreign land and was put in this home to serve. And yet, in spite of all that, when she had an opportunity to speak up for the Lord, that's exactly what she did. And it moved, it stirred Naaman's heart. You know, I thought of another testimony of a child We're probably most of us familiar with Sister Willie Struhar's testimony. She told about just being nine years old and living out there in a mining town in Arizona, out in the middle of nowhere, never had any church upbringing, never brought to Sunday school. She'd never read the Bible. Her dad was a drunk and a gambler. He was also the town constable, and her mom was heartbroken, and the home was ready to split up. But one day she said they received a paper, an apostolic faith paper out there in the middle of nowhere. Didn't even know how they'd gotten on the mailing list. 
But she said, as just a child, nine years old, probably about the age of that maid, she took that paper and she went inside. She read it from cover to cover. She said in that paper, she read of wonderful testimonies of how God uh, delivered people that were bound by sin. And she thought, that's just like my dad. She continued to read and she read about a heartbroken mother who uh, had a hard time consecrating her children to the Lord. But once she did that, the Lord gave her peace. And she said, that, that sounds just like my mom. And so those testimonies stirred her heart. She said that night, nine years old, never had prayed in her life, wasn't even taught how to pray. She got down by her bed and she said she just called out to the Lord, didn't even say any words. But in her heart, she just said, Lord, give me what I read about. And she said, as the Lord opened her heart, uh, speak, spoke to her heart, she opened her heart to the Lord, and the peace of God came in, and she said the Lord saved her that very night. Went to bed that evening. She said she had a dream, and in her dream she saw her father standing before the Lord at the great white throne of judgment, and Jesus rejecting her father. And in her dream she pleaded with the Lord to please spare her father. And she said Jesus turned and looked at her and just said, Go tell your father to get ready. She woke up that next morning and she met her dad as he was coming in from the house, uh, coming in from being gone for 16 hours. He'd been drinking and gambling. He was all hung over, but she told him what happened. She told him how the Lord had saved her and she shared that dream with her father. And you know what? That had a huge impact on her father. It was the catalyst that it took to cause him to pray. And as she recounted what had happened, he fell across the bed and said he cried out to the Lord for mercy. And God saved him that very morning, changed his life. She said, I never saw my father come home drunk again. And God reunited that home. And for many years, they were able to serve the Lord together. But it was that testimony that sparked her father to action. It was the testimony of this young maid that caused Naaman to move to action. So we don't know what kind of impact our testimony will have on others, but we want to make sure when we have an opportunity to give it, we need to do that. We also see in this account how limited and powerless our own resources are. Verse 5 through 7, it says, and after word was sent to the king of Syria, he sent a, a message to the king of Israel saying he was going to be sending Naaman his way and of course, the king of Syria, or the king of Israel, he panicked. He said, who am I? Who am I? I'm not a god that I can make alive and recover this man of his leprosy. And thought for sure that the king of Syria was just uh, trying to pick a fight with him. So he realized his own resources were limited. He was powerless to help. We read about the stuff that Naaman brought along with him. It says he brought ten talents of silver. That's over $100,000 worth of silver in today's economy. 6,000 pieces of gold. One commentary said that's about $2,988,000. He brought changes of raiment, brought a whole lot of stuff. But we realize they were powerless to help him in this situation. You know, I read an article a few weeks ago about Steve Jobs. Many of you know he was one of the original co-founders of Apple Computer. He and his partner started it in his garage. And of course, we know the story. Apple became a huge, huge, multi-million dollar business. And this man was wealthier than 
many, many, one of the wealthiest men in the world and uh, had all kinds of human resources, but at the age of 50, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He spent all kinds of money looking for a cure. Uh, one treatment alone, I read, cost him about $100,000 dollars. Of course, to Steve Jobs, that would have been like five or six dollars to us, but uh, he spent a lot of money looking for a cure, had a liver transplant, did everything he could humanly to find an answer, but to no avail, he ended up succumbing to that disease at 58 years of age. So we realize sometimes human resources are powerless. You know, spiritual needs can't be met with human resources. Take something far Greater than that, and if we come to the Lord thinking we have anything to offer the Lord, or uh, we come with the wrong attitude and in the wrong way, so Naaman realized this wasn't going to do him any any good at all. We see the importance too of responding with humility and obedience. You know, pride causes people to complicate God's simple instructions. Verse ten. It says, And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Here we have the cure. Simple instructions. Just go wash seven times, and you'll be clean. How complicated is that? But we know Naaman's pride, it caused him to react in a different way. You know, Pride will cause us to interject our own ideas into God's instructions. Verse 11, it says, Naaman was wroth. Behold, he said, he went away, and he said, Behold, I thought. There was this problem right there. He thought he could determine how God was supposed to work. You know, you don't go to a doctor as a patient until the Doctor, how to treat you. That's what Naaman was doing here. He thought he could somehow control or dictate how God was supposed to work. You can see how pride can cause a person to do that. You know, pride causes us to try to change God's word and add to God's word. Again, we read there, verse 12. He said, Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He wanted to do it his own way. He wanted to change God's word, but it doesn't work that way. You know, this is nothing new. We see this problem clear back in the Garden of Eden. When God gave Adam and Eve a simple set of instructions, you can eat of all the trees of the of the garden except for that one tree. Don't touch it, don't eat of it. But of course we know the devil came along and he told Eve, hath God really said? Does God really mean what he says? And he mixed a little truth with a lie. Well, she bought the lie and we know the result. It was, it was tragic, but pride causes people to do that. They want to change God's word. They want to rest scripture. They want to take God's word and try to somehow make excuses in their lives. But we can't do that. And Naaman wasn't able to do that. Pride almost robbed Naaman of that miracle he so desperately needed. Sadly, pride so often will rob people of the miracle they need from the Lord today. You know, I'm thankful Naaman's story doesn't stop here. Naaman finally was willing to begin to humble himself. You know, as we begin to do that, 
God begins to move. The Lord can begin to speak to us. Humility allows us to hear from God. Tells us in Psalm, it says, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. So as we begin to humble ourselves, lay aside our pride, God can begin to speak to us and deal with our hearts. And he was able to speak to Naaman. You know, the Lord was very merciful to Naaman. We see here three different times when God used servants to speak to Naaman. Here this mighty man of valor, this military leader, uh, used to being in charge and calling the shots, but we see here three separate times when he had to listen to a servant. The first time, of course, was that little maid as she shared her testimony. Second time, when he went to the prophet's house and Elisha didn't even bother to come out by himself. He just sent out a servant to deliver God's message. And then this third time, finally, said as he was ready to turn and leave in a rage, we read that a servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? So we see a little maid, the servant of Elisha, then one of his other servants. You know, there's a lesson there for us. May we be humble enough to listen to the servants that God places in our lives. It could be a spouse or a child, one of our children, maybe a coworker, a close friend, or a brother or sister in the Lord. Uh, we want to be humble enough to listen. Sometimes God chooses servants to speak. That's what he did here. Thankful Naaman finally was willing to uh, give in and do what God asked him to do or required of him. We see, too, victory requires complete obedience. Verse 14, it says, Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a child, and he was clean. It says he did according to the word of God. You know, that's the only way we'll get anything accomplished. The only way our prayers will be answered is through uh, complete obedience. We see here, too, the importance of perseverance and following through. The Lord told him to dip seven times. Can you imagine what would have happened if he would have stopped at the halfway point? He would have went home in that same pitiful, leprous condition that he came. No, he had to follow through. He had to persevere. You know, there's nothing sadder than to see a person who was once on fire for the Lord, maybe somebody who was once seeking after the Lord and gaining spiritual ground to begin to draw back a little bit. You know, that's a very sad thing to see when we see that happen. And it's a dangerous thing to do. The Word of God tells us in Hebrews, God says, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So it's up to us to continue to uh, persevere, to seek the Lord. We don't want to give up or fall short of the promises. I know things are different now than they were seven or eight months ago or even a year ago. You know, a year ago, we had the liberty and the freedom to come and worship together. Um, it was wonderful to gather around these altars with the saints of God and to pray collectively as a group. But you know, that is 
Things have changed, we know that, but that's no reason to stop seeking the Lord. That's an individual responsibility. As wonderful as it is to pray with the saints of God and to pray for one another, I don't minimize that in any way, but uh, we have a personal responsibility to continue seeking the Lord. Naaman, when he went down in that old Jordan River, you know what, he had to go down all by himself. He didn't go with his whole entourage. He got down there by himself and he followed through and he obeyed. And we know as he did that, the Lord gave him the victory. You know, God's promises are sure, but they are conditional. We know as Jesus, when he was ascending into heaven, he gave his disciples a promise. He said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you're in due with that power from on high. He promised him the power of that Holy Spirit, but he said, go and tarry until you're endued. And they did that. They followed through after tarrying 10 days. We know the Spirit of the Lord fell and they received that promise, but they had to meet the conditions that the Lord had laid out for them. Joshua in the battle of Jericho, we know, again, God gave him a specific set of instructions. He said, and Compass that city six days and remain completely quiet. And then on the seventh day, circle it seven times. And on that seventh time, blow the horn and the trumpets and give a shout and the walls will fall. You know what? They follow God's instructions. God gave them a wonderful victory, but they had to follow the instructions of the Lord. Noah and the ark. Imagine what would have happened if Noah would have decided to take a few shortcuts. But he did it just as God said. He built it according to the dimensions of the Word of God. The Lord told him what type of wood to use. He told him to pitch it within and without. And he did that to the saving of his soul and his soul of his whole, and the souls of his whole family. But the point is, God's promises are sure, but they are conditional. But if we're willing to humble ourselves and meet those conditions, God will fulfill his promises just as he did for Naaman. We see one other lesson here. You know, understanding always follows obedience. Verse 15 through 17 of that same chapter says, After Naaman had done what the Lord had commanded him, he was made clean. It says, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. You see, Naaman had more than just an external transformation that day. He met the God of Israel, the God of heaven, and something happened in his heart. He said, I know, now I know there's no other God but the God of Israel. He goes on to say in verse 17, he made a vow. He said, for thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. From that moment on, he determined he was going to serve the one true God. And he made a request of the prophet. He said, let me just take a couple of bags of dirt home with me so that when I kneel to pray, I can pray on those bags of dirt. I'll never forget what happened this day. Oh, God established something in his heart. The Lord revealed himself to Naaman. God answered his prayer. You know, the Lord can do the same for you today. Whatever the need is. But there's a formula here, a very simple formula. It's humility plus obedience equals victory. It's very easy to remember. We see that with Naaman. You know, if you have a need in your life this morning, whatever it is, if you're willing to humble yourself, 
If you're willing just to surrender to the Lord and follow God's word, follow in obedience, the Lord will give you victory this very day. Close with a promise or a verse actually in Luke chapter 4, verse 27. It says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. You know, you may wonder why none of those other lepers were cleansed. It wasn't because God didn't have the ability to cleanse them. He certainly did. It wasn't that God didn't have the desire to cleanse them and to help them. He surely would have loved to have saved every one of them and healed them. The problem was the condition of their hearts. They weren't willing to humble themselves and accept Christ as their Messiah, accept his uh, cure for their problems. So they uh, went away unhealed and untouched. Oh, but thank God for Naaman. Naaman was willing to humble himself and step out in obedience. You know, the word of God tells us, it says that Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So we have a choice this morning. The Lord is offering a cure, help for your problem, whatever it may be. Are you willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to persevere and seek the Lord until you get an answer? If you're willing to do that, God will give you the victory just as he did for Naaman. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God can meet your need this very morning. We're going to have an opportunity to pray. We're going to sing 657. May the Lord bless you today.